This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to the 90 Day Fiance Rahapa podcast where, of course, every week we get together, we hop aboard the Hot Mess Express and we go through the ridiculousness of these couples on 90 Day Fiance. We are currently covering season nine of 90 Day OG. This is episode five. I am, of course, your host and conductor, Puyazan Vakili, chomping at the bit to talk about these couples today. And of course, as always, I've got a guest with me. This week, we have been graced with the presence of an amazing podcaster. She is, of course, the host of all things dummies that are hot on islands over on the Hot Dummies on an Island podcast feed. She is one half of the co-hosts of the BoJack Horse Pod, one half of the co-hosts of the Kowski cast coverage of Riverdale, and as of late, one half of the magnets over on Mess Magnets. It is the one and only Kirsten McKinnis here today. Kirsten, how are you doing? Julia, I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, you and I are both people who love mess, so it's always oh, great yeah. fun when I get to come talk 90 Day with you. Um, I did forget that we had booked this literally two months ago, so I have binged all of the episodes. Don't worry, I'm not cheating. I'm not skipping episodes. I watched them all, uh, but I now feel like I have like too many thoughts about 90 Day Fiance Season 9. Honestly, this is going to be a fun experiment for me. It's going to be the move. I can't wait to see what your thoughts are. Having binged all of them, I do imagine you're going to have a lot more of a heavier opinion on some of the stuff you see because you're watching it all happen back to back to back. And we're going to dive into all of it. So it's going to be a good time here today. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I think I maybe have a little bit more of like a holistic view on some of the couples. But at the same time, my my hot take of the season so far is that like, we really don't know that much about any of these people. Like every single thing has seemed kind of surface level so far, in my opinion. <laughs> They're keeping it kind of vague. I think that is a good sign because we have, what, seven couples total. We're talking about six of them today. So it really is a season with a cast that has a lot going on where, you know, we've had a couple episodes where we've covered, you know, Ari and Binyam in a lot more of a... Um, bigger spotlight whereas this week they got crumbs so it's good that they're able to shift around and oh this couple gets more of a feature this couple gets more of a feature and no one really feels completely like they are ad-libs to the season whereas every season there's like one couple that no one cares about and they give us like 30 seconds per episode of 
I would argue that we've gotten nothing from Patrick and sorry, how do you say Patrick's fiance's uh, name? Thais. Thais, thank you. Yeah. I feel like Patrick and Thais, uh, there must well, not be that much there because they only recently joined. Yeah, I mean, they did join episode four. They're here for the second episode now. I think we'll see some good dynamics between Thais versus John, the brother coming mm-hmm. soon. But I do think if there is a candidate for that slot, it would be those two. But I'm excited for that stuff because they look to be messy, messy. So I will take those. <laughs> yes, absolutely. They, I mean, they're all kind of messy, messy. Oh, yeah. And let's start with the bigger mess this episode. Let's go and kick things off with Kobe and Emily. Now, the last time we met Kobe and Emily, they had just got back from their little sexcation. They were about to, okay, listen, it is what it is. I called it date night. They did. I don't. Um, I know what happened at date night and it was not dinner and a movie. Okay. So they are about to get, they got back home. Kobe gets to meet Coben for the first time. Everything should and looks like it could go well. But, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had Asia on to talk with me at the start of the season and Asia's thought was, Listen, I do not think this is a couple that's going to last. And I'm seeing more signs of it leading to a bad place here, Kirsten. I think that that is very fair. But the other thing, too, is like we've still only seen his first day at the house. And I think they might be really, really milking this like early drama because maybe it gets resolved and ends up a little bit more boring. Well, this is why you're a professional podcast. That's a great segue to the first segment here, uh, milking. So, we, <laughs> so yeah. listen, the, the whole first half of Kobe and Emily today was Emily is pumping milk for baby Coben in the living room. And Kobe is incensed that this is happening. He's so bothered by it. And he tells me, I can't believe she's doing this in front of her parents in the living room. And she says, well, what do you want me to do? Like, go downstairs and do it. And she's like, yeah, do it discreetly. And Emily tells us, you know, I have had uh, issues with the with the breast pumping, breastfeeding. My, my family knows how I feel about this. And they've been nothing but supportive. And no one has a problem with it. So I'm going to do it where I feel comfortable. I was like, yes, Emily, as you should, as you should feel free to. Kobe's definitely out of line here. Yeah, so there's so many layers to this because first of all, uh as you said, like Emily really expresses in her uh confessional how much difficulty she had even producing milk in the first place and so being able to produce milk at this point is something she takes a lot of pride in and I know um obviously neither of us are parents, but I think that anyone who even like knows people who are parents knows like the pressure that mothers are under to be able to breastfeed. A lot of women can't, they simply can't produce it. Uh, and they get like sh- absolutely shamed for that. Uh, there's like the current, uh, formula shortage in the States. So mm-hmm. it makes all of this like very prescient to like what's going on also just in the world. Um, but on top of it, Kobe's issues start at why are you pumping in front of your father to why are you still breastfeeding to like, it just like it balloons to the point where he's in confessional saying, well, I want to like, when we have sex, I have to suck on her breasts. So mm-hmm. uh, she can't be producing milk because I can't share breasts with my son. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? 
Yeah, like because initially it, it, the way he was talking about it, the way he was describing it, you could tell, okay, he's, you know, it's a culturally different way to go about things. He comes from a background where stuff like this happens more discreetly, more in private. And maybe he's not, you know, used to seeing this happen in a more public setting or in a more comforting setting like this. Like he can't wrap his head around it. But like you said, it got to a place where we moved away from that. And then he gives us the confession that we had seen in the trailers of he doesn't want to share breasts with his son, which is a completely different conversation. Exactly. Like, it's the thing, too, where, like, obviously have to be sensitive to, you know, different cultural differences. I I can't speak to how breastfeeding works in Cameroon, right? Like, that's that's not something I know about. Uh, And, like, there's always discussion about how people feed their babies. Like, when people are breastfeeding, it's like, oh, but you're doing that in public. Oh, but you don't put a blanket over. Oh, but you should do that in the bathroom. And it's like, people are just trying to feed their kids. Like... Wow, yeah. like enough, enough is enough. How um, about the mom? Mom knows best on how to go about her body to feed her child. How about that? Exactly. Um, the other element to this as well is that Emily's dad just cannot help but pipe in, which I think is totally inappropriate. Oh, this big ass living room kitchen combination, and dad keeps hovering around the living room. While they're having their talk. And then he even says at one point, I don't want to get in the middle of this this first discussion. Then leave. Go to the kitchen. Go somewhere else. You don't have to be here. He is one foot away from them. Like, could not be more obviously listening to every single word. Um, Her mom is in the kitchen watching. um, And he's, like, just piping in. Like, well, I don't have a problem with it. I don't mind. Well, you're not helping, sir. Yeah, either you are in the discussion or you're not. This halfway thing of, I don't want to jump in, but also I have no problem with what she's doing. It's completely fine to me because he does tell us in confession that he was ready to jump in if he had to. And like the mom mentioned that she felt a little disappointed by this conversation. But this is between the two of them and they are, that doesn't seem like they're sorting it out, but it, it's their thing. Let them have their discussion. Already, I can tell that this family setup that they have, this living situation they have set up is going to be cause for more problems because I think that Kobe is not going to be on the winning side of a lot of these things. And like we mentioned, there is cultural differences that'll come into play. There's things that Kobe might not be used to or understand. And Emily has had 17 months with the baby and the baby has been, Kobe's been with her whole family this whole time. So I think Everyone's going to feel like they know what they're doing while Kobe's trying to assimilate and learn. And that piping up here is just unnecessary to this entire thing because it's only going to make things worse, in my opinion. A hundred percent. A hundred, hundred, hundred percent. The other thing, too, is like her mom is acting surprised that they would get into an argument on day one. And I'm like, nothing makes more sense to me than an argument on day one when A, He's just first meeting his baby. He's never been involved in the day to day. They've never really lived together except in like a third like country where neither of them were from. So it's like almost like more of an even playing field when they were in China. And like, 
I know I come from a military background. And so like when a parent goes away and then comes back, the first three days are like the worst for fights because people got used to living their lives separately and they've built routines and now that mm. routine is disrupted. Like it makes total sense that they would be fighting. Oh, hundred percent, especially when the routines involved a baby that is 17 months old and there is a now a new parent entering the scene who is trying to make up for lost time and another parent who has pretty much taken the whole responsibility for the last year and a half like Mm -hmm. all of this combined with sharing a roof with your parents who again the grandparents have a very close relationship because they all live under the same roof this was bound to happen it was just a matter of how long until and obviously it's happening right here right now and so Emily decides to try and diffuse the the argument and the discussion by saying, hey, can you go help your mother-in-law like fix food up, help your future mother-in-law? Um, Except and, she kind of says it like, hey, go help your mother-in-law fix yeah. food. And Kobe takes this as her giving him a command and he feels very much, um, I would assume probably emasculated is how he feels. I don't know. He, he didn't like being bossed around, essentially. He didn't like the way she said it. Well, and the thing is, is like, I do kind of see where he's coming from because they're in a discussion or a fight and she's just like, whatever, we're not doing this. Go help my mom. And like, I, I feel like she could have been like, hey, I don't think we're getting anywhere. Can we take a break? Maybe you could go help my mom with dinner. Like, I feel like there's a more productive way to have all of the discussion that Kobe and Emily have. I 100% agree with that. And even the next scene we saw with them started with that, where uh, Kobe clarifies that if you ask it a little differently, and then she's like, well, how about if I said it like this? And he's like, okay, yeah, that's exactly, that's, see, that's a different vibe completely. And I can tell you firsthand from my relationship, my marriage, we've had these conversations before where um, either I'll say something a certain way, and then I'm told if you repackaged it this way, it would not feel as harsh as the way you said it and vice versa. So this is 100% a communication tactic that you learn as you go along with your partner because different people respond to different things differently. So without saying and elaborating and clearing stuff like that up, it can be a problem down the line. So I'm happy that they kind of learned or talked through this right out the gate. Yes, but also I feel like when Emily was like, oh, should I have been like, oh, honey, can you please go help my mom? with?" I feel like she was like being so sarcastic and it's like, this is not helping the matter. No, and I think this is going to be something difficult we're going to see with this couple because we've seen this on other 90 day seasons. When you come in as the um, uh, spouse who is coming from a foreign country, especially when you're in the shared house with your wife or husband's family you're in this position where you don't have a lot of leg to stand on right because at this point it's their house it's her life that he is inserting himself into so there's not a lot he can do and emily should be a little bit more kind to his attempt to assimilate with her entire household and moments like this will only delay that which is not good yeah, it, it. 
I just feel like a little bit of like understanding for him would have been nice from Emily. Like over this whole thing, like even springing the date night on him when he's so excited to meet his son for the first mm-hmm. time. Like I feel like Emily is the kind of person who gets her way. Yes. And she is not interested in any sort of compromise because no she's emily she gets her way and that is not a good way to be in in a marriage no and it was very much put out there when they had the dinner so emily's dad goes and picks up his mother-in-law um emily's grandma comes in for the dinner and at dinner they had this conversation about um so who in your culture who's the boss and you know kobe says well the man's the boss and then uh, grandma jokes about, well, here, and all, we all listen to Emily and what Emily says goes. And I think that combined with the date night conversation combined with any time we've seen Kobe try and get familiar with Coben and he gets shut down because of the way things need to go. Emily's definitely going to be a very heavy handed and influencing figure as far as how they are to behave in this relationship. Yeah. I think Emily might be a bit of a whiner and people, uh, accommodated that a lot just to avoid like the reaction mm-hmm. and so now she kind of just can stomp on everyone and they're like yeah that's emily yeah it's a it's you know it's one of those things where when you just allow and accommodate people who may be in the wrong sometimes or maybe saying things harshly but you try to accommodate it because it's easier to just say okay than to correct that is not healthy. It is not helpful to a household situation. So, uh, yikes, big yikes incoming. I feel big yikes. Yeah. I don't think she's ever faced a boundary. And so, uh, there's going to be some big issues level setting with this couple. Definitely. So at dinner, they talk about the proposal and how that went down. And we, I did about- not understand this story. It was the classic, oh, no, I'm falling. And then she tried to help him, but then he wasn't falling. He was going to slip into a one-knee position and propose. (laughs) But, like, it sounded like he was like, oh, I was pretending I was, like, passing out or fainting. And, like, I was like, what? (laughs) Like, oh, how romantic. (laughs) I feel like you could have just reached out to, you know, tie your shoes, and that would have been good enough. But (laughs) my boy went with the Oscar performance here. I was falling asleep and I was like, what? And I was like, okay, I think this is like a translation issue. And he must've meant like unconscious or fainting. <laughs> yeah. Well then the conversation comes up about the rings. It wasn't even a real ring. The family's like, yeah, you know, it's the thought that counts. And Emily's like, no, I still want my proper ring. I deserve a proper ring. And Emily, I think Kobe already knows that. I think y'all both know that. that. Don't say this in front of the fam. It's such a bad spot to put him in. The first, like that date night dinner when she immediately starts badgering him about finances and stuff. And it's like, I feel like every single couple on the season is just like very bad at communicating and being open, especially about finances. It seems like, cause it's not just this couple. And so then for her to bring it up in front of everyone. And it's like, yes, we get it, Emily. You want like a real diamond ring, which is fine. Like everybody has different values. If that's what you value, fine. But like also you have to understand that right now your parents are literally supporting you. You live in your parents' house together and maybe a ring shouldn't be the first priority. Like you can get another ring at any point in time. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, it's very 90 day. You got to have couples who don't know how to communicate. You got to have couples that do not share openly their conversation about finances. 
because that becomes a big part of the drama. Oh man, it's just so hard. frustrating to watch this and know that two conversations could have had you in a way better spot. I feel like there must be a spot on the 90 Day Fiance like application form that's like, do you talk about your problems? And if you hit yes, they instantly filter you out of the show. Like, nope, we can't have them on TLC. Right. It's, yeah. It, it, <laughs> I, if we talk about this, we're just going to talk about it for another hour. Yeah. Um, so the the one scene I want to talk about is that there was a confessional where um, Emily's dad is getting choked up because He's very concerned that Kobe doesn't seem to have a plan right now, which is very true. It doesn't seem like Kobe does have a plan, but I think a lot of families do not recognize or don't understand, especially when it comes to the financial stuff that when you come into this 90 day process, you know, you cannot work when you arrive for close to six months, maybe more depending on the paperwork process. You are out of a job and you are relying on other stuff to happen. So. There's a very good chance that you don't know financially where you're going to be. There's a very good chance that you don't know what career paths are open to you or what revenue um, avenues are open to you. So I felt bad for the dad, but at the same time, I was like, y'all should have seen this coming. Like he's going to not know where, what the plan is until he has the work permit to figure out where the money's going to come from. Yeah, it's just very bizarre how they're like, okay, he's been here 24 hours. Let's grill him at a family dinner as if this is going to be productive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the other thing, too, is I'm like, well, does Emily have a plan? It doesn't seem like she does. So why don't you get on her who actually can work? That would be nice. I would appreciate that very much. Um, But this is not the show. (laughs) <laughs> this is not the show. No, unfortunately, not. well, I guess Emily's getting that TLC money, so mm-hmm. she has a job. Yeah, she's you know getting paid. A, well, I think last time I checked, ooh, there's a cat dispute going on back there. Yeah, well, it's been ongoing. I actually left when I was muted to go grab one of them and hold him for a while, but he broke free, and they're uh, uh, bad. If you, if you just want to maybe uh, vamp for a second, I'm going to lock one of them in the bathroom. I can definitely do so. I can definitely do so. Okay, so I'll talk. I'll set up this next scene, the final scene with uh, Emily and Kobe. So we learn that and this is clearly they're about to get ready for bed and it's centered around Emily, Kobe and Coben first night sleeping together in the same house. And Kobe's very excited. Kobe says that there were moments on the lead up to this meeting that he was discouraged. He was, you know, not feeling like this was ever going to happen. And he says Emily did nothing but reassure him, sending him pictures every day and not letting him get discouraged about meeting Coben. So that was very sweet. I would love to hear that Emily was doing so. And then Emily, Coben and Kobe are now in the bedroom getting ready for bed. Kobe and Coben are playing. You know, he's he's, you know, holding Coben, raising him up. They're having a fun time. But Emily keeps saying, do not rile him up. This is not how the routine goes. We need this to go a certain way. So then he stops that. They all three of them get in bed and Emily's very much not loving this. She's like, no, I feel like I'm feeling claustrophobic in this bed right now. There's not enough space. So you, there's another bed we've set up for you. So you can go there. I cannot believe that it's the first night he's with his son and Kobe got relegated to the second bedroom in the basement. It, okay, so it's absolutely wild because A, 
you knew that your fiance was coming. Why? Like, maybe that's when you start transitioning to like a crib, maybe, or like a, some I, other like stop with the co-sleeping maybe, or, you know, maybe get a bigger bed or I, I just feel like this is something that they could have planned for and tried to do. Um, like, I, ju- I just don't understand not having a plan. But also, it seemed like the other bed that Kobe went to was bigger than the one they were in before. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing for me was in the confessional, Kobe mentioned that we had talked about this and I had requested, like, if this is going to be a problem, if there's not enough space, can we please get a bigger bed? So Kobe had anticipated this could be a problem. Emily knew that this could be a problem. But there seems to have been no attempt to to rectify that. And the other part for me is this concept of like, oh, there's this routine where routines sometimes are made to be broken, especially when there's a new reintegration with Kobe there. The old routine is going to have to change no matter how you look at it. So, yeah, there might be a couple of days of rough patches. Maybe Kobe doesn't get enough sleep and is a little fussy or whatever the case. But both of you are going to be home the whole day. So you can easily do this and be fine. It's not like Emily's going to have to leave for work early morning and she needs her sleep. And it's not like Kobe's going anywhere. He can easily take care of um, baby Kobe and the whole family is going to be there. So to me, this was a non-issue that Emily made bigger than it needed to be. They could have just all slept there. Yeah. And it also could have been, again, just going back, like the core issue of not knowing how to talk to each other is Emily wants bedtime to go well, which is totally understandable. She's a mom. She, she wants to have a good, her kid to have a good sleep. She wants, you know, the next day to go smooth, whatever, which is totally fair. But then when it's not going according to plan, instead of just being like, Hey, I know that this is really exciting and you guys are getting along and that's great, but we're going to have a really crappy day tomorrow if this baby does not get the sleep that he needs. So if we could maybe go more to cuddles right now, that would be great. But instead, she just like steamrolls him. Yeah, I feel like, and this is just a hunch, I think Kobe would firm any kind of discomfort the next day with Kobe if they could spend the night like this, like I feel like Kobe, Kobe would do anything needed to help out with Kobe in the next day. So to me, True. this goes back to more of the conversation from earlier where the family had said it and it was very clear. Emily gets her way, period. Like Kobe literally first night here, first night with the family is sleeping alone in a room in a house that it doesn't belong to him. And I have a feeling he felt very much like a stranger in this house. And I also just don't understand, like, Emily not even being willing to try falling asleep in the bed as a family. And I also just, like, I don't know that much about co-sleeping, so I don't know, like, I don't know how long people normally do it. I don't know how that works, but I feel like 17 months is, like, a relatively normal time where they could have started maybe transitioning to like a kid's bed or crib. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. It just feels like a little off that Emily is not willing to take any change to how she's been caring for Coben before Kobe got there. Uh, and I, I don't know. I feel like she really prides herself on having this like very close relationship with Coben, which is totally normal. Like she's his mom. Um, but it almost feels like 
as much as like Kobe has the jealousy about the breasts issue, it seems like Emily is getting like very territorial, even with Kobe. Like, no, I have a special relationship with him. And like, that's our thing. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. No, I definitely think so as well. And I mean, I also do not know much about co-sleeping or anything of the sort, but I feel like there, I just ultimately feel like there's a better approach to it than yeah, we are not even going to try to change things right now. We're just going to kick you out and then deal with it later. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough road for them. I feel like after what we've seen these last couple episodes, but we'll learn more about it next week yes. where, um, actually, you know what? I lied to everybody. Uh, they are going to be on the bye week next week. No next time on for Kobe and Emily. Yeah, so. See that to me further cements that like they're going to resolve their stuff. They just had a lot of upfront issues. That's, that's my uh, prediction. Interesting. Well, I can't wait to see where uh, they're going to fall on the power rankings when we do that at the end of the uh, episode here. <laughs> okay. Kirsten, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will dive into the number one prankster of the season, Bilal, and the unfortunate recipient of pranks, Shaida. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. All right. So next on, let's go over and talk about Bilal and Shida. They've had a more quiet um, setup now since the first couple episodes with the prank TM. I feel like we're in a place now where they're slowly introducing Shida to the rest of the family. Now, last time we saw Shida get a lunch with Bilal's mom and his siblings. So that happened today. She is meeting the children, Yusuf and Zaina. Now, what were your thoughts, Kirsten, on the first meeting of uh, Shida and the kids? I feel like they should have planned some kind of activity. I think it was very odd. They just had Shida like cleaning the kitchen and then Bilal came home with the kids and they had no plan. Like, I think that this maybe should have happened over a dinner or a lunch or like going to do something as a family because mm -hmm. it was very awkward. And, you know, Shaida is shy and a little bit more reserved. And so I feel like this really put her at a disadvantage meeting the kids. No, I co-signed that 100%. I feel like with, when it comes to children, throwing an activity, like you said, a dinner, a lunch, like somewhere like a neutral ground almost because when you come in here and there's this awkward silence after they've met, after they've said hello and you've initiated a group hug, that I was making me feel uncomfortable. The group hug, that's like the tenth circle of hell because Bilal <laughs> like jumps in and is like family hug and it's like they're not family yet. Like it's you don't gonna even take know. time. Yeah. What if 
they don't want to do that. I, mean, I felt like that was a very uncomfortable spot to put him in. Um, and Bilal does call her a bonus mom, which I thought was an interesting choice of words. But then she also said bonus mom later. So I think this is something they've talked about. And this is just a, a verbiage they will be using moving forward. So I do think that's a thing that people say because I feel like step parent has like oh, bad connotations. Mm, I hadn't thought of that. Okay. So it's like the new, it's like the better way to say, um, the spouse or partner of a parent. Yeah. I think so. I, I think that it's just because like step parent has like, you know, there's all of those fairy tales with the evil stepmother. Oh yeah, <laughs> a lot of them. A lot like of all them. of them, almost. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. So, um, then the kids are like, "Hey, can we? You know, you want to go downstairs and play some games? Maybe shoot some pool." And sh- we find out Shida t- says, "I'm not really into games." Um, which so she watches at family game night. She'll yeah. Watch. I was like, "Have you met your partner, the, the number one prankster in all of North America?" Bilal, he is nothing but games. So this is a bad match already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't like games in the relationship or games at all. Um, can I just okay? So I looked up bonus mom, and there okay. was an article that was like, "What are things that you can call your bonus mom?" And one of them was Bo Mom. Bo Mom. You could just call them Bo Mom. The Bo is for bonus. Okay. I mean. <laughs> I can see that. I'm not going to lie to you. First thing I thought was like a archer mom. <laughs> um, like, a Sagittarius right. mother. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So Bo mom could be a shout for us moving forward on this yeah, podcast. That could be the move. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so she's like, yeah, I hate games. Like, would it be okay if I said not today? And everyone's like, mm, no, we will not respect you. We're going to go play pool. Yeah, she was like, if I would have, if I would have, I would have said no, but the kids were like, ah, you're going to play pool with us. That's going to happen. So they go downstairs to play pool. And this is where we see the scene from the next time on last week where, um, Shaida asks, well, what do you call your mother's husband? And they're like, oh, you know, we first, first name probably. And then what do you want us to call you? And Shaida says, you know, maybe one day you call me Ummi. So Ummi in Arabic is my mother. Um, and, Zayna and Yusuf talk in confession. I'm like, you know, maybe we'd consider it. Well, we'll see how it goes. I don't know how I feel about it yet, which is complete, a very fair and mature answer from children to be like, we'll see how it goes. We're not quite, there wasn't like a no, never. So they're very nice kids. I really did love meeting Yusuf and Zayna. They seem very cool. Yeah, they're really good kids. And I feel like I knew that they were going to be good kids after seeing how friendly um, Bilal is with his ex-wife. I felt like that just mm-hmm. gives a good indication of like well-adjusted kids. But I also feel like the show really put Shaida at a disadvantage and made it seem like she was like, I want you to call me mom. Like now. Right. And it's like, no, she said, maybe someday you'll feel comfortable calling me this, which I thought was actually really sweet because she just like really wants them to like her. I I just really think that they edited it, it to make it seem like she was like really asking for it right now. But she specifically said, maybe one day you'll be comfortable with this. Yeah, no, I got the same vibe as well. And the other thing is we know going into this that um, Shaida has been very clear she would like to be a mother one day. This is something that's very important to her. 
But Bilal keeps skirting the question anytime it comes up. So, of course, when the kids bring it up, when Zayna asks her directly, do you want any kids? And she's like, you know, eventually I think I would. And then Yusuf's like, eventually. What does eventually mean? I was like, Yusuf, this isn't 60 minutes, but look at you pulling out questions. Okay, podcaster. All right. Um, and, and Shaida says, you know, maybe later on, but this is more of a question for your dad. And Bilal's like, well, I don't, I don't think so. I think it was a question for you. Bilal, answer the question. Have this conversation. For the love of God, you are literally not having this question when your own kids are bringing up the conversation. Like when your kids are more comfortable to talk about it and you are not, you are the problem. I feel like the producers were like, you should ask Shaida if she wants to have children of her own. <laughs> Um, I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, not something to her. And then Bilal's like, um, well, they were asking you questions. And it's like, yeah, but it takes two people to make a baby. Like, so yeah. you're part of this discussion. Like, stop it. Please. Like, can you can you say something? Maybe like maybe you should be the one talking about this. But again, he dances around it. They're playing pool. They, you know, Shaida is getting her first take on how to play pool, which is very interesting. I would have never imagined a pool playing game of pool would be the activity for kids as a someone who has played pool and does enjoy it. I don't think I was allowed to play pool until like I turned 13, 14. And even then, my dad was a little bit hesitant on having like the idea of me playing pool. But like these kids are going to be very good at pool in the future. Well, is it aren't the kids like sick teenagers, though? his daughter is 16 i know daughter 16 no yeah that's what he said in the first episode i mean you have watched them more recently than i have okay i guess they're older than i in my head i'm like they're eight and 12 (laughs) so um yeah no i know that one of them is 16 that has to be zayna she has to be the older one i think yeah i'm pretty sure it's it's her and then the other one is only a couple years younger so so, maybe not as bad as i thought it's not so weird but i also like I feel like I knew people growing up who had a pool table in their basement and it was just like, you just learned how to play pool early when you Mm -hmm. own the pool table. No, that's fair. I feel like, so I never had a pool table and I think my dad's image of playing pool was at like a pool hall with like cigarette smoke in the air. And Mm -hmm. like, that's what he thought I was doing. Whereas like, it was, it was this like complex place in this building where in the city I lived in, that was like, they had bowling, they had pool, they had a little skate rink. So it's like a teen center. Yeah. Yeah. Which was definitely more so kids there than adults or like, you know, like early 20, like boys. So I think my dad had the wrong impression there. Yeah. That, I think that sounds right. Uh, Cause yeah, I, I never had a pool table either. Just to be clear, I did I, grow up poor. Um, <laughs> but I did know people who had pool table. I really, really wanted a foosball table as a kid. Like so bad. I, I that's can, what I wanted. But have you actually played a lot of foosball? Yes. Yes. It's so, so good. No. It's so good. When Kristen. my, my ex-boyfriend, when he lived in a house with like six guys, they had a foosball table in their living room. And I was like, this is the most annoying thing in the world when you're like trying to sleep and like four of them have come home from the bar at 2 a.m. and now they're loudly playing foosball. Oh, yeah. Foosball is like, I think infinitely a louder activity than pool is just because of the, the swirling of the players and the ball makes a lot of noise when it hits the walls and stuff. I like um, air hockey. See, 
I'm okay with air hockey. Air hockey can frustrate me though. Um, a lot more than, than foosball would. But if I had any of those tables as a kid, foosball pool or air hockey, I'd be living. I'd be playing nothing but that. It would be a good time. That's like I had a basketball hoop and I was just shooting for free throws for four hours a day. <laughs> yeah, I tell you this, uh, I don't think I could hoop ever. I like no shot. I have no jump shot. You know, Akiva keeps <laughs> boasting that he got a wet jumper. I've got no jumper. I mean, I think Akiva's jumper is probably pretty dry. I think so. Uh, yeah. He does not look like someone who could jump. Listen, I tried to get Keith to go bowling, and he, the way I got skirted, um, yeah, Ooh. we don't need to talk about it. I don't know. He avoided bowling, but it's fine. Whatever, you know, it's fine. Okay, so the last scene we see with Bill and Shaida, Shaida is calling her big sis Judy. Um, she wants to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on, and you know, she mentions that you know, it's been a lot since I've been here, and Judy says, well, can you elaborate? Say, well, I want to be a mom one day, but he keeps avoiding the topic. Basically telling us what we've already known, that this mm-hmm. is a conversation she wants to have and Bilal keeps avoiding it. Yeah, he's like, mm, no, I choose not to perceive that conversation today. No, thank you. Right. No, well, it's going to come to a head at some point. And the next time on, we see that Shaida tells Bilal, I'm getting sick and tired of these pranks. And she like flicks them on the head while they're driving. And Bilal's like, Listen, you keep your hands to yourself. Otherwise, I'm going to put this car in the corner and you can Uber the rest of the ride home. And then he does stop the car and gets out of the car. So they're going to have their probably like proper first argument here of the season. And I can't say I'm too optimistic about it. No, because I can just see. I just know Bilal is going to be like, why can't you just be grateful for my kids? Why can't be you grateful. just be grateful? Like, like I just want to smack him. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough. It's rough. I'm not ready. I'm not ready, Kirsten. It's going to be a mess. Yeah, it's it does not look good, and it it really does not look constructive in any way. So I I feel like I'm going to be cringe watching that fight. A hundred percent cringe watching. Yeah. Okay. So then let's go over to the next couple here. Uh, speaking of cringe watching, Ari and Binium are here. Okay, they had barely any content today. And most of it was they've arrived to JFK. They're happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, Ari's parents rolled out a little sign that says, welcome to U- to USA, Binium. So that was pretty sweet. That was cute. Yeah, I did like that. So Have then, you ever had a sign at the airport? No. Well, mm, no. Because so Liana couldn't come get me when I arrived here because she, this was early pandemic and she was sick. We didn't know if she was positive for COVID or not, but she couldn't, she, you know, safety first. So she stayed home and I actually, uh, two of our friends came and picked me up from LaGuardia for the drive back to Connecticut. So I didn't get to see Liana there. And then other than that, I was never the one coming to the airport, like arriving from the airport because Liana was the one traveling. And for the most part, she was traveling through drive. So we didn't have that moment, unfortunately. That's too bad. That's a shame. I know. But maybe yeah. one day. <laughs> one day. I mean, listen, I would much rather she lay out the red carpet like Jibri did than the <laughs> sign if I'm if I'm being picky. So Oh, can I also I also just want to say I have become like the biggest softie in the world because every single couple that meets at the airport this season so far, I've been like on the verge of tears. I'm like, oh, they jumped into their arms. Oh, it's, it's so sweet. cute. Yeah. 
I love it. I mean, and that's the thing is like, I know they're all awful people, but then even in those ones, I'm like, oh, every single time. Me and love you. Yeah. Look at you being a big softy and stuff. I know what happened to me. It's so gross. Ugh. Yeah. Remember, remember when you were, you were the one making fun of all these couples. Look at you now. I mean, I feel like I'm still making fun of them. I just am like a little bit nicer. Which, you know, because it's you, it's, it seems like it's a big nicer. It's a big oh, difference. No, not that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, oh my God. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. So they have arrived and, uh, Ari's parents have rented them an apartment in the complex next to their house. And it's like a very nice apartment. Yeah. So this is a lot for me. So they rented them a place five minutes away because, you know, they want to be close and they're the ones paying. So obviously they're going to have more of a say. So we find out that Ari had said, you know, one bedroom's fine, but the parents overruled that and said, well, no, you're going to need the bigger space with, you know, baby Avi potentially having his own room and stuff. So they rented a two bedroom for them. So they got him a pretty nice spacey apartment. They they got them on a one-year lease. Mom's already paid the first month. Mom set up the utilities. Mom set up the good Wi-Fi, the good cable, the whole works. But then tells them, yeah, so, you know, ideally within the first two to three months, you can take over. It's better for you and it's better for us. But then why would you put them in such a lavish place when they would have been okay with a smaller place with a startup because they know their financials are not there quite yet? Yeah, and I think that this is one of like the situations where I'm really on Ari's side because she's being very straight up honest. Like, you've now given us an extra stress of you set up all of these things. You didn't consult us. You didn't listen when you did consult us. And now we have to pay all of this like really soon. We don't know what we're going to be doing for work. And so I was really on her side with this one. Yeah, no, I I really feel like they pretty much got entrapped into this arrangement because I don't think they have a problem with the house. I don't think they have a problem with, you know, any of it. They're very grateful for the setup that they've been given. But when you put a time deadline on them like this, and it's not even, it's the first two to three months when you know, again, Binium cannot work for the next, like, at least six months, if not more. And Ari just got back. We need to see where she is at. If if she has something she can pick up and, and continue as far as work goes. And they have a baby that they are trying to raise together. And they've had a slew of problems in the relationship that they've just, they thought this move could give them a fresh start to mend. So when you put the strain on them, it's going to cause more problems than do them good. They would have been a lot better in a place half the size, half the rent, they would have been in a better spot in the relationship, I think, than I you mean, giving them a more comfortable setup. Honestly, it could have been better if they had just stayed with Ari's parents, which is insane because normally <laughs> that doesn't work out. But like, it honestly could have been a better move in this situation. I mean, I think that with them and and we've seen uh, Binium's relationship with Ari's mom. Ari's mom is someone who has been very involved in the relationship. We've seen this. We've talked about this. Um, a lot over the last couple mm-hmm. of seasons they've been on. However, she's always been a good diplomatic person with, with Binium. They have a good relationship. So I do agree with you. Them living together would have removed any financial problems here and they could have been in a better spot for it moving forward. Whereas here, again, they're going to have so much worry because you got them the good wife. You got them cable. They don't need cable. They no. do not need cable. That mm-hmm. is, 
80, $90 a month that they could save. Um, yeah, no, they did not need that. Um, no. Yeah, very uncomfortable, very awkward. I do love that Ari keeps saying every segment, like, we thought this would be a fresh start and would erase our problems. And I'm like, why are you stupid? Why are you literally <laughs> dumb that you just think moving is going to solve everything? Because you moved to Kenya and it didn't solve the problem. So why is moving to the U.S. going to magically fix things? It's this idea of new place means fresh start completely, which isn't the case because every place you start, you're bringing the old baggage with you still in some way, shape or form. So it is a choice for sure. It is a choice. Um, I think that ultimately when it comes to them, um, I think they're going to have a lot more problems than we would like to see. So I'm already terrified for that. But also, I think that this puts the parents in a power position to expect certain things and expect certain ways because so they get this place. It is not furnished. They've got a bed for them. A, I think I saw a TV in the corner mm-hmm. and they've got some toys for baby Abby. Yeah, very but, important. The TV, the most important thing when you have nothing. Listen, if you've got cable, you need to at least use it. <laughs> like, why, like, why did they get them cable and a TV instead of a couch? What? Yeah, I mean, the whole idea, because she says, you know, we we thought you'd want to furnish your own place and give your own design. Yeah, but also we don't need cable. Like if you could have just gotten us a pullout couch from Ikea for like 120 bucks, that would come in a lot more handy than this um, yeah. cable, especially when we do not have the money to furnish and rent this place and maintain things and take care of Avi and have our like that is so much money. And, given, and it's an extra bedroom. Right. And given the way 90 day couples are set up, I'm going to go on a limb and assume that they've not talked finances with the parents. So mom and dad have no idea how much money they're bringing in. This is going to be a disaster. Well, yeah. Uh, Binium didn't tell his family he was moving to America until two days before. They have not talked finances. No, not even a little bit. No. Um, okay. So th- this is going to be a lot. The, their financial stress is going to be quite a yeah. bit. Uh, let me see. And the next time on, they take a day trip to New York, it looks like. And, and it looks like Benium's like, can we move here instead? <laughs> yeah, but he was like, hey, listen, I know we just got set up with a one-year lease. How about New York? And Ari's like, no, what are you talking about? Like, I know we have no money, but can we live in New York City? <laughs> can we? Like, listen, I know money's tight, but we can live here. Definitely not more expensive to live in New York at all, I don't think. <laughs> Um, so dumb. Yeah. And then he does do the thing that no man should ever do is tell a woman to calm down when they're not, not calm. So, uh, shit's about to hit the fan. Okay. Just warning. Just a warning. Also, I just think you, nobody should tell anybody to calm down. It just seems that it mostly is men saying it to women, but just don't say that to anyone. Yeah. You, you think it's helping? It never helps. I think there's a 99.9% chance when someone hears the words calm down, it'll do the opposite. No, I like shed my human skin. If someone tells me to calm down, I'm like, my bones are shifting. I am becoming a demon. Like, oh, you think I'm not calm? I'll show you not calm. I gotta try that in our next goose who stuck meeting. Hey, Kristen, calm down. It's not going to be pretty. You shouldn't absolutely not do that because I would never lose it. I will joke about the idea of doing it. You could not even pay me to do it. That's not going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a Puya move. (laughs) No, it will not end well for any of us. Um, No. Okay. Kirsten, let's take one more break. And then when we come back, we will tackle the second half of these couples here. Yes. 
All right. So let's move in here and talk about Kara and Guillermo. Um, so Kara and Guillermo, we didn't see much of last week, uh, but we're here now. They're about to go meet up with Kara's family. I believe her uncle, her brother, and her mom are going to be at the house they're going to. And, and, um, they're also going to meet up with Kara's dog who is there. And, uh, his name is Chiki, 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 Chiki. It's Chiki Mama the dog also going to be there, Kirsten. I mean, when I see a little sausage dog, it makes me very happy. So I'm so <laughs> bored. So they're on the way, Kirsten. They're in this car. They're on their way. They're driving over. And Kara is doing very bad bedside manner where she's like, yeah, so... Just a heads up about what to expect from my family. And my uncle's probably going to threaten to beat you up. And it's all going to depend on how he says it. It could be real. It could be fake. What is this? How is this setting him up for success when you're on the way and you're like, yeah, my uncle's probably going to want to suplex you. It's like, oh, by the way, my uncle will fight you. I I feel like that's something that should have been set up before the drive over. But once again, these are not people who communicate. Uh, They are in a very weird situation. Um, And like, the age difference is only like what six years between the two of them. Like Kara acts like she is like thirty years older than him. Yeah, no, and and this has been set up throughout the first couple episodes where he's the baby and he's like constantly talked to as if he's an infant, and I don't think that's helping the relationship. And I think this kind of behavior is also not helping the relationship whatsoever. No, not good. So they, yeah, they go to the dinner, and that's where we do meet the, the little puppy. So cute. Um, and yeah, it's a very uncomfortable dinner. Yeah. So we meet, um, the puppy. We meet Rana, who is, um, Kara's mom. We meet Kevin, who's her brother. And then obviously Uncle Mike. And Rana tells us that she's, she's, you know, met Guillermo and she feels like he's a nice guy, but that Kara's never really been in a long relationship. So time will tell. And I was like, okay, that's a good, that's, you know, good that. Guillermo has good reviews, but it's very clear to me that neither of them have had a long-term relationship like that, because if mom's saying Kara hasn't, and Guillermo literally told us that he hasn't really dated anybody before uh, Kara, things could get interesting here. Yeah, what's really weird is they start, like, grilling Guillermo about his like, dating history with American women, and he's like, well, I have kissed an American woman before. That was so awkward. And when it's he like, was like, what? Yeah, he was like, not a relationship, but, you know, I've had a thing with an American before. Like, my guy, what are you doing? What do you think the next, what's the, what thing? He's like, oh, I've kissed lies. You've yeah. done more. First okay? of all, yeah, he's had, a, he's hooked up. We held hands. No. <laughs> yeah, we shook hands vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very, very medium level hug that we had, that we shared. Oh my God. Yeah, very, very weird. Um, And then this is where Uncle Mike is like, I feel like I know you already because I've been stalking you on Instagram, which like don't say this to people. Never. Listen, if you if you want to background check someone through their social medias, do it. Sure. Never tell them you've done it. That is like a wild thing to do, especially when they're it's their first impression of you. They're trying to meet you for the first time. That is terrifying to hear. Like, first of all, if you want to background check someone, get Puya to do it because he's got the skills and abilities. Listen, um, it, it gets Scally to do it. Let's not kid ourselves. That man mm, knows I feel too like, much about everybody. I feel like you and Chappelle really uh, have it on lock, but maybe Scally too. 
All right. Well, maybe that's a podcast for another day. <laughs> yeah, we could do the background <laughs> check podcast. Um, but yeah, just like very weird. And like the, we get the confessional where it's like, oh yeah, he used to be a private investigator. And like, I never asked him to look into you, but like he could if he wanted to. Yeah. I, she also Kara says, you know, he could F you up if he wanted to. Why? What, what, why does he need to hear that? How is this helping any relationships here? And I think Guillermo can look at Uncle Mike and realize, oh, this guy is three times my size. He could probably mess me up. Yeah. At one point, he did say you're bigger than I thought, which I was like, okay, I don't know if you should say that, but that's fine. Okay. Everything's going to be fine. It was then (laughs) the question comes up of, well, what made you uh, what gravitated you towards Kara? Like what caused you both to be where you are? And Guillermo says, you know, I was very sick one time and I felt like Kara moved mountains and did everything she could to take care of me, which was very sweet. Um, and I did love that, but yeah, it was cute. He was like, that's like what your wife does, but she was yeah. my wife. Yeah, that was very sweet. I love that from Guillermo and uncle Mike seemed to like, like the answer, but then he's still skeptical, which of course, 90 day rules. At least one member of your family needs to be skeptical of the relationship. Well, yeah, God forbid you just have a supportive family. That would be nice. Um, so that's about it with them again. The yeah, needle not, not really moving. Yeah. The next time on is going to tackle Guillermo and Kara on a day out drinking with, I, I'm assuming one of Kara's friends and we hear a little bit about Guillermo's thoughts on Kara's drinking and um, the way she goes about it and how it affects the relationship. So that is an oofer waiting to happen. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to get into it next week. Yeah, it looks like it's not handled well. But thankfully, mm-hmm. I do not have to be the one here for that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, whoever's on next week, uh, it's your time to shine. Okay. All big right. one for you. All right. So let's go over and talk about a big one here. He has recently waxed his back, excited for his partner to get into town. It's Patrick and Thais. So waxed his back, got a tan, lost weight. He really went all out. He really pulled out the full routine for this. Yep. (laughs) So Patrick and Thais is interesting because we did get quite a bit from them today. And we did do the thing where because Thais hasn't arrived to the States yet, we went over and looked at her perspective for a bulk of their episode. Mm -hmm. The only thing we saw that was Patrick's side before this was that Patrick has gotten a little puppy for Thais for when she arrives because he wants her to have a little companion while he's at work. Which is cute, but also like, I feel like you need to discuss a pet with your partner before you just go get one. Yeah, I have to. I'm going to go ahead and assume, which Never do. I'm probably not going to end well for me. <laughs> I'm going to assume that the, he at least either knows she's a dog person or this is the type of dog she's always wanted or something. Because if it's a blind item, like I'm randomly going to get this dog, that is, like, if they don't click, like that's, oh, it's over. Like that is not good. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a little white, long haired, fluffy thing. I think a Pomeranian maybe. Uh, Seems sweet enough. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know dog. Uh, I don't know like uh, na- names of cats or dogs like type. So I'm going to go with little white cuddly puppy. That's that's the type that I got. Yeah, I here. think it's part maybe part Pomeranian just based on what its face looked like. But 
Um, it, there's lots of tiny little fluffy dogs like that. So I'm, I'm not the expert. Um, mm. I do like how you're like, I don't know cat names when most people are like, this one's orange. Yeah. I, I know orange cat. <laughs> I know, um, Milo Winston was white cat with a little bit of gray on top. Like that, that's the type for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how people are with cats. Yeah. I'm looking at the Pomeranian. I think that's what it is. I think you've nailed it. The first picture is this little white cute puppy that looks very similar. Yeah. Um, I, I could say. I think it's a, I think it's a Pomeranian. I mean, if any, any, uh, dog experts out there listen to this and you can correct us if we're wrong, please add us at Kirsten said what at Puyas and we do appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate the correction, but please don't at me about that. I don't care. Okay. Just at Kirsten, leave me. No, at Puyasa. (laughs) Um, so we get to meet Thais and learn a little bit about Thais now. So Thais, obviously from Brazil, uh, she worked as a model. Okay. She's so beautiful. Like absolutely one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life. And she is out here engaged to Patrick, who looks like a thumb. I cannot but lash theory and practice. Patrick really do be looking like the thumbs from Spy Kids. I'm not gonna lie to you. Literally. <laughs> um, so we learned that she found Thais, uh, Patrick to be very handsome. They met on Tinder, and uh Patrick asked her out on a date to dinner, and she really was surprised by this because her words this is not typical behavior from men that she's experienced so yeah she she says that like the dating culture in brazil is not really dinner dates is is how she describes it and i'm like i i I can't i've never been to brazil and i i think i only know one brazilian person no two brazilian people so I, i really don't know yeah like i don't know her dating background but it really sounds like the bar was low when, yeah. when Patrick is getting a very like triple thumbs up over just asking to a dinner date. But so. also like a dinner date for the first date, I feel like it's a high pressure situation. What? So, okay. So is it because do you think that a first date should be more of a, like an activity based thing? I, I think a first date should be a coffee date or a drink date and then it can expand into more if you're having a good time but if you're locking in for dinner like that's a long time if you don't hit it off so I just think like because a drink like you get a drink and then if you're having a good time then you'll get a second drink or maybe then you'll order some food Mm -hmm. or like you do a coffee date but you're like oh I have a work meeting at whatever time and then if you're having a good time you can be like oh my meeting got canceled I can hang out longer like I just feel like a first date should be set to be short, but with the prospect of expanding, not like we're locked in for this like two hours. You know, I co-signed that. I think that's actually a good shout. I like how you put it. I Listen, I was in the streets. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, so this dinner date goes on and then we, we learned that, um, she is very close to her family. She goes to her grandma's place. She has lunch with grandma every day. Um, her parents got divorced 11 years ago and her dad is kind of like her best friend, but dad treats me like a child and is very protective. Therefore, I have not told my dad that I am moving to the States nor that I'm getting married. Like her dad is already in tears about her going on a vacation. And she hasn't told him that this is not a vacation. It's going to get very difficult here because, yes, like you said, she has told her dad she's going to the States, but he thinks it's a little vacay. He thinks there's a return ticket. There is no return ticket here. 
Um, and he is, she says very protective. We do see that come out when he's talking about it. First of all, he doesn't like Patrick, which doesn't help. They don't have a relationship. They've talked a couple of times. Dad kind of has this impression that Americans, you know, American men, not really like you should be suspicious of them. They're up to something is how he feels. And, you know, Thais tells us that maybe he learned this from TV. Like this is his impression from like what he saw, seen on TV before. But the fact that dad doesn't know and is already so sad about it, it's going to be a lot of heartache when he gets the truth because he was already telling us he's heartbroken because, you know, you raise a daughter and then your daughter leaves and he starts crying. And I felt very sad for Thais's dad. Yeah, like, you can't help but feel bad for him because he, like, maybe he's a little bit overreaching, but he is just trying to look out for his daughter in the only way he knows how. And she's, all she's doing is reinforcing his behavior, honestly, by not telling him. Because now when he finds out, he's going to be pissed and he's going to become even more overbearing. Right. Absolutely. And and I think her way of her thought is, well, once I leave, like there's distance and hopefully things will be fine. But also we find out later in the episode that she has no intention on telling Patrick that her dad doesn't know they're getting married and that her dad doesn't like Patrick because it'll make Patrick feel sad. Sometimes you got to just break the news, Thais. You can't be holding on to these secrets. Your dad is only going to be more sad. That you didn't tell him sooner. It, like you didn't yeah. give him any time to prepare. What is with these people literally moving countries and not telling their family? Like it's weird. It's a choice, especially if you have such a close relationship and you like live in the same country, live in the same town, live in the same area, neighborhood, whatever you want to like say. It's very interesting because like we saw Binium do the same thing where he's like, ah, I'm not going to tell him until the day before. What could go wrong? It'll be fine. I don't want them to be upset. They're going to be more upset that they didn't know this might have been the last time for like a year, right? So they're going to want to make the most of that hangout. Whereas now you've left and they didn't know. And now suddenly they've realized, oh, I'm not going to see you for like a year, year and a half. Yeah. Going back to the um, Benny of it all, uh, very like he put his sisters in the situation where they would be more upset to have a conflict with Ari. Like, that's, uh, like, I mean, it's their fault that they threw the wine, which is really not cool. But, like, they were not put in a situation where they were going to react well. No. And, and again, we've talked about this, but they literally, like, all their beef is with him, uh, with her, sorry, with with Ari and not with Binium. Binium got out of that situation having his worst nightmare happen, but then none of the blame, and he made no efforts to try and fix it. So, so you know what? Maybe um, Thais will get away scot-free as well. Who knows? Maybe. We'll see. Well, now we move over back to the state side where, um, like we said, he's got his back waxed. He's lost some weight. He's ready for the meetup with Thais is Patrick. So Patrick has this little champagne bottle that he has saved since his engagement. But everything we learn, anytime his brother comes up. We learned that Thais is not keen to live with John. Thais is not keen to live with John. And honestly, I don't think John is keen to live with Thais. So this is already, she hasn't even landed in America. And I know this is going to be a problem for these three. 
Well, a hundred percent. Like we saw, I think it was a couple episodes ago, the Skype call where John has a bunch of friends over mm-hmm. and they're being loud. And she's like, Oh, are you throwing a party? Like what's going on? Uh, and so we like, we know this is going to not, uh, end well, but Patrick is like, well, I have to keep my brother around because what if things don't work out with, uh, like with Ice and then I'm alone in this big house again and it's like excuse me you can't be planning on not working out that's not a good way to start not giving the confidence you need to give when you start off a relationship and a cohabiting one at that too yeah um so he makes his way to the airport in his Tesla like okay Patrick you know we learned about his occupation. He sells security camera services door to door, riding this Tesla over to the airport. He has a bouquet of flowers for her. And listen, we just talked about this when they first embraced. It was lovely. I love that. It was great. But then everything after that was odd because they're in the car and they talk about, yeah, listen, I, I told John we're going to have a quickie. And then Thais was like, ooh, sex in America. Mm. I was like, okay, why are we mm-ing like Jacob Jones is here? Like, stop this. All of the couples talking about sex on this show make me so deeply uncomfortable. Like, I, when, um, Kara and Guillermo were like, oh, we enjoyed each other's bodies last night. Or like, even, and, and Muhammad being like, oh, but we didn't get much rest. We I'm got like, cardio ah, in. Like, come disgusting. on, just Absolutely. say you slept together or something. No, like, or say nothing. Better yet, say effing nothing. Right. I am, like, I'm a very sex positive person and I'm like, I'll talk to my friends about sex, but I just feel like it is very weird on national television to be like, yeah, my fiance's here and we totally boned. <laughs> like, stop it. Just, no. I just, I feel like I'm with you positive about sex, but then also I feel like anytime anyone wants to say they've had sex and they try and say it in a fancier way, then yeah, we had sex. It gets weird when you're like, yeah, you know, the bed was shaken last night. Like, stop it. No. You, I don't need to know that. You know what you could just say? We had a great night. Oh, the downstairs neighbors are going to be mad at us. Like, <laughs> I don't need to know that. <laughs> like, like, that's none of my business. Seriously. Like, why are you doing this to us? Okay. Enough okay. is enough. Yeah. So we, we learned that they're excited to have their, their quickie. But then... Like, why does it have to be a quickie also? Like, how long has it been since you've seen each other? Why can't you just be like, yeah, I told John to to be out of the house for the afternoon. Like, we can have some alone time. Why does that have to be a quickie? So maybe Patrick knows that that's, his, that's him. He's quickie. It's just not going to last. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But... The whole setup with them again is that John versus Thais is going to happen. And then in the next time on, we do see the scene from the trailer where John is having a beer in the morning and Thais doesn't love that. And John is going to be a crabby butthole when they go out to play mini golf, I think. Yikes. This whole thing is yikes. I think by the end of this, Patrick should and should have realized that the whole, well, I don't want to live in this house alone. You're setting this up where if these two don't like each other, it's going to strain your relationship with your brother, it's going to strain your relationship with your partner, and by the end, you might not have any of them because they're both going to be cross with you. 
Yeah, it's n- nobody wins in this situation. Mm-mm, not even a little bit. Okay. All right. Last couple here, Kirsten, before we head on out, it is Eve and Muhammad. Now, even Muhammad, we have not seen a lot of since he has arrived to the States. The last time we saw them, there was the whole situation where um, Eve had not set up the bidet and Muhammad really wanted the bidet set up. It's the morning after he's arrived. Bidet's still not set up, but like you said, they did do some cardio, so they're feeling good. Yeah, they didn't sleep much last night. Um, I also feel like getting the bidet set up is such a small thing that Eve could have done that she knows Muhammad really values. So mm-hmm. kind of. Mm, like it was this one ask, right? It's like his one big request was bidet, please. And it's like, like the non-negotiable that he needs mm-hmm. for like personal hygiene and also religious reasons. Yeah, and that's like the that that is the little bit here with Muhammad where I'm on Team Muhammad. I sternly end up uh not on Team Muhammad pretty much yeah. from the next scene on. So um so Eve has to go to work, right? So she is like, listen, before I leave, I have five minutes, let me tell you what everything where everything is. Here's the kitchen, here's some avocado oil, here's the eggs, everything for your breakfast and stuff. And then Muhammad says, Well, I thought you were gonna make me breakfast this morning. She's like, Listen, I'd love to, but I gotta go to work. Like I don't have time for that. And then when she leaves, we get a confessional from Muhammad saying, yeah, I was frustrated because I expected her to make me food. Like my my mom cooks for me and my needs are not being met right now. This is not what I expect from my wife. Well, and not even that. He's like, I expected breakfast in bed this morning. Like, why didn't she show up with a tray? Listen, Uh, the kitchen was closed, but it had an abundance of audacity that Muhammad found. (laughs) Literally, like he was, I guess that's what he found instead of the salt when he made his own eggs. Um, but yeah, it's just like we've heard Muhammad say that he expects his wife to care for him as his mother did, which I think maybe points in the direction of why he was pursuing like an older woman that he thinks that maybe he'll be more likely to get the maternal type relationship from a wife that's older, like a I'm just reading into it, obviously, like I'm not a psychiatrist or anything, but that that just kind of fits together for me. Um, but yeah, he expected breakfast in bed and he, you know, he manages to make himself eggs, uh, only leaving the burner on. So pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he did leave the burner on, nearly burnt the frying pan, but he did make himself breakfast. This is a thing that I've discussed uh, when we first met Muhammad, where... I have definitely like I grew up in a similar position to Muhammad where I grew up. Um, my parents took care of pretty much everything. I lived a relatively, um, cushy upbringing where I didn't do any chores like that. And then when I moved out, I really felt the brunt of my lack of activity as a youngin because I had to do everything on my own. And it was a definite like humbling experience to really understand and appreciate everything they did for me. I definitely took it for granted growing up. Um, but at no point did I ever have the mentality that whoever I end up being with in the future, my partner would have to do those things for me. That was never for me. I never thought of it like that. But it's very clear that Muhammad's views are a little bit more um, leaning that way. And it's definitely something that he has you know, been raised to want out of life and believe that he wants. The, and the thing and the, is, yeah, go ahead. The, Sorry, the other thing too, and like, I obviously can't, like, 
I've never been to Egypt. I can't, I can't speak to that, but I do have a friend that grew up in Egypt and Mm -hmm. she basically was like, every house comes with like a person that does like a lot of the house type work. And so that could also be a contributing factor in Muhammad not knowing how to do anything. Well, that's the thing is that I come from, like I was born and raised in the Middle East and like a lot of what Muhammad's saying, I have seen um, firsthand, I've seen it in a lot of people. I knew that this was their belief, right? That like certain activities, certain uh, chores, whatever are like female tasks is exactly what Muhammad said in this episode was like female duties is what he called it when it came down to babysitting. So I've definitely seen that happen before, but like clearly some people will leave and have different outlooks on life. Whereas Muhammad has this expectation that my spouse will take over these duties of the home care of cooking of raising the children and everything else. I will not do any of those things is how he's looking at it. Mm-hmm. And it is a situation where if you are with a partner who has your view fine, but you clearly are with someone who does not have those views. And again, not talking to your partner about expectations before you show up this is going to be a huge problem for them because I do not think Eve checks any of those things that Muhammad expects and thinks should happen. Well, yeah. And that's the thing too, is we've seen Eve, uh, you know, making decisions to be like, I am going to put in an effort to be more in line with what Muhammad maybe would expect from someone that he would have met at home. Um, but at no, nowhere does she say like, I'm like, converting my religion or like fully going to change everything about myself she it looks like she's willing to make some concessions to make him more comfortable and i feel like it was presented as she's offering to do those things it's not like he's asked her to do them and then now it's looking like the shift is going to be like oh but he has all of these expectations and even when she's making compromises that's not good enough yeah, I don't love where these two are headed. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be a rude awakening for Muhammad. It's going to be an even ruder awakening for Eve when she realizes what she signed up for with Muhammad here. So then the, um, he does tell us like, I've only been here one day and I already missed my mother. Oh my God, Muhammad. Like it's very clear that Muhammad has literally moved from living with mom to now in a full fledged marriage where the household duties and living and everything is supposed to be split down the middle. And I don't think he quite realizes that this is the life he has signed up for. He absolutely doesn't. And the other thing too, that I want to say about even Muhammad before I move on is it really just seems like uh, he hates her. Like it doesn't seem like he likes her at all. Okay. Well, elaborate. Like, I just like, especially it seemed to me the scene, um, when he first got to her house and she gave him that, first of all, the ugliest ring in the entire world, um, <laughs> that she gave to him, which I, I, I know it's been litigated. We don't need to go into it, but I just felt like in that moment, she is trying really hard without knowing what he needs and he just hates her. Like, I really don't think he likes her that much. Well, it's very interesting because I haven't quite cracked where and how he sees and feels about it. It's, I don't know. It's so to move on to the next scene, we finally see Muhammad meeting Theron for the first time after he attempted to set up the bidet and couldn't. So he left it alone. He was like, I'm not going to do this. Um, he brings Theron some presents and him and Theron seem to like, I think they're going to have a very good relationship. I think Theron 
has taken a liking to Muhammad. I think Muhammad is going to be treating Theron with nothing but love, which I do appreciate and I love quite a bit. But when it comes down to um, Eve making them dinner, so Eve makes them some burgers and fries. And even when Muhammad goes up to get his food and he's like, can you put some ketchup on this? Please? I was like, get it yourself. Ketchup bottle's right there. Why does she have to do this for you? Well, and then even when he's like, oh, enough, enough. And it's like, well, you know how what could have stopped this? If you just put your own damn ketchup on your burger. That would have been nice. That would have like, been easy. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't. So then that happens. And then um, this is where Eve says, you know, are you okay with being with Theron like after in the afternoons if I've got work stuff? And he seems to agree. But then in confessional tells us, he feels like this is more of a babysitter duty than fiance. And then he says, I'm not prepared to do, and this is the quote from earlier. I'm not prepared to do these female duties in my next 90 days. Oh my God. I was shaking again as someone who is the stay at home partner who does all these duties and does not believe there is a gender assigned to any of these duties. I was fuming, but also again, as someone who was born and raised in the Middle East, I have seen this um, expectation and I've seen people look at it this way where like these are the female female duties are in the home they are the home caretaker etc etc but then all of this person culminates in this next time on scene where eve has brought a plumber in to set up the bidet Mm -hmm. and this is where we do see more of muhammad's um muslim upbringing back and forefront because like we said very clearly Muhammad is a practicing conservative Muslim. So he is not okay with Eve being in the house with a stranger man who they do not know. These are things that they should have probably taken the time to get to know about each other's expectations. This goes beyond like, ooh, financially where we're at or where are we going to live? This is the core values at the center of a person who are very different with these two who I don't think they have prepared for, because like we said, Eve was taking an effort to, you know, get rid of her more um, provocative clothing and to keep more modest clothing, wardrobe, etc. But there's going to be a lot more demands coming from Muhammad. I think here. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's like everything up to this point, like where she got rid of her clothes or when she said, oh, I'm go, I'm going to drink only on special occasions. And like, he knows about that. It made it seem like they had discussed these kinds of boundaries and like what was expected and they hadn't come to some agreement. Um, but then on this next time on, it seems like actually, no, they haven't talked about it. And maybe Eve was just being proactive and making some changes that she thought would make Muhammad more comfortable. Um, but it seems like as Muhammad gets more comfortable, um, he also gets more comfortable making demands of Eve that are not really fair to make when they haven't discussed uh, each other's needs or wants in this way. Yeah, like I think ultimately, I go back to what I said earlier, where if your partner is someone who shares the same views and and has you have the same level of agreement with the expectations then i see nothing wrong with your living arrangement that you've agreed upon however in this instance i can tell that this is not what they are going to want as a compromise whatsoever and i don't think there is a compromise in the middle of all this and i simply think that muhammad is in over his head a little bit with the relationship and the immediate move from his family with Eve, who is someone who has experienced a lot more in life than he has, who I think is going to struggle 
with dealing with Muhammad because she doesn't know a lot about his background. She doesn't know a lot about how he was brought up. She doesn't know a lot about what his views may be. So, and, and in the midst of all this, Theron being in the middle, I'm terrified mm-hmm. of the way Theron's going to be impacted by what we can see to be a train wreck already. Yeah, that adds an, I hadn't considered that layer to it either. That's kind of, um, arky. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing too that I find very odd is like you would think in this situation, there's a very clear power dynamic of Eve being older, having brought Muhammad to a different country, being the homeowner, being the breadwinner. Like you would think that that would be the power dynamic where maybe problems could arise, but yet it seems like Muhammad is the one making all of the demands. So I just think that's really interesting too. Yeah, I I can tell you this. I think that they are going to have the toughest road of all the couples we've discussed here because there is such a vast, vast difference in in so many of the different things when it comes to the relationship. There's the age difference. There's the experience level difference. There's the expectation difference. So uh, listen, we're going to cover this season bumper to bumper. There's going to be a lot of rough patches with them, I think. So let's just move over and um, discuss this power ranking here. Uh, Kirsten, there are six couples today. Jibri and Miona will not be in the power ranking for today. Kobe, Emily, Bilal and Shaida, Ari and Biniam, Karen, Guillermo, Patrick and Thais, even Mohammed are the ones who are power ranking today. I think it's always easiest to start with the last place. Do you have a certain feeling of how you oh want to make God? Up? This is, I'm sorry. First of all, this is impossible. And it's rude of you that you've introduced this aspect to the pod. So, uh, yeah. So the worst is, oh God. So okay, I'm going to put, pa- I want, I'm going to put Patrick, Patrick pa- and Thais in last. I think Patrick and Thais would be last. Interesting. Okay. Cause I also like, don't care about their problem. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing is that I feel like after what we've seen today, I'm a lot more worried about the longevity of even Muhammad. I think they are both in over their heads and have not put a lot of thought into the long term prospects of their marriage. Mm, that's true. Fair enough. So I think we put them at sixth, and then um, Patrick and Thais, the fact that she hasn't even arrived to the house yet, and we know this John thing is going to be a big problem. I'm okay with putting them in fifth spot here. Okay. I can compromise with that. Okay. Cool. 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 cool, cool. <laughs> okay. We're down to the final four here. Um, let's see. So we've got Emily and Kobe, who I think, I think ultimately will be able to get through this stuff. It's the early goings. I think even though we're not happy with the way night one went, I think by like night three, night four, they're going to end up starting to transition over to the shared living space and the shared experience of, you know, baby Coben in their lives. I feel better about them. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think they're going to work it out. Mm-hmm. But then that means between Bilal and Shaida, Karen Guillermo, and Arian Binyam, who do you want to put in fourth place here? I think Kara and Guillermo. It just he, seems like they don't have a good way to have conflict. They don't talk about things and they aren't getting along that well. No, I agree with that. And I think whilst there's been the early discussion seemed like the conflict was a little bit more petty and not important. I think the combination of this dinner where Kara keeps saying, 
yeah, my uncle might beat you up. Like that might happen. And then next week's episode, bringing up the, maybe there's a drinking thing that the conflict that they have coming up, the money stuff from the previous episodes. I think they're going to have a little bit more conflict than we may have first imagined. So I'm okay with giving them fourth place here. Then mm-hmm. it's three, two, one. I think with the three people left here, I would probably want to say, let's give third place to Ari and no, I think third place is Emily and Kobe. I think that's where I want to put them because even though I think ultimately they're going to be fine, it feels like I still think that the way this episode in particular went didn't give me the 100% confidence that they're going to work it out. I almost want to put Bilal and Shaida there just because like they haven't had any of these big conversations. And see, like at I'm least okay Kobe and that. Emily are arguing. Yeah. No, I'm okay. I'm okay with that compromise because I do think that they would have been my other candidate for third yeah. place. So that works because I do think at the end of the day, Ari and Binium have gone through a lot together as a couple. Mm-hmm. And I think they just moved and it's very clear that their number one conflict isn't even with each other right now. It's with this house that they've been given that there's expectations for. So I think yeah. they take top spot. Ari and Binyam. I actually agree with that. Yeah, because that's the thing too, is like both of these top couples, they have babies. Like there's an additional like stake mm-hmm. in the relationship working out. I so agree. that makes me think that they would maybe be the top two. And yeah, Ari and Binyam, they've been through so much and they've stayed together. So yeah. I, I, there's just why would we think that they're not gonna? So here's the interesting spot. So comparing episode four, where I had Scallion, and episode five here. The changes in the power ranking have been wild because Ari and Binion were six last week. They are now in the top spot. They're number one. They went full <laughs> bottom to top here over a week. <laughs> I just think even from last week's episode, I wouldn't have put them last simply because I just know they're going to just they're just mm-hmm. going to be together. It's fine. Yeah, the confidence level in even Muhammad has dropped because the last time they were on was episode three and they were second. The week before they were also second. They're now in sixth place bottom of the table. Um, Patrick and Thais started last week, third place. They are now in fifth. Karen Guillermo went from second to fourth. That doesn't seem like that big of a move. Bilal and Shaida went from fifth to third. So they've actually moved up a little bit, but I think (laughs) their movement was more so other people doing worse than them doing better. (laughs) So yeah. And then Emily and Kobe fell one spot from first to second, which I don't think is that consequential. Okay. That is the power rankings done. Kirsten, thank you so much for a lovely podcast here. Where can people find you? What else do you have going on? Let them know. Yes. So you can listen to me on more podcasts over on the Hot Dummies on Islands podcast feed, wrapping up Temptation Island. This week, Maggie and I are going to be joined by Matt Hoffman and Brittany Haynes from Big Brother 12. So that should be really exciting. Um, There's only three more weeks of that podcast. Uh, Riverdale is here. So Mary and I are talking about that over on Kowski Cast. That's cow with a K. I'm also doing a weekly Bojack Horseman rewatch podcast with Lindsay Wilson over at Bojack Horse Pod. And last but certainly not least, Sasha Joseph and I are breaking down celeb gossip, pop culture, trending topics over on the Mess Magnets podcast at robhaswebsite.com slash mess feed. Uh, and you can catch me on all social media at Kirsten said what, including twitch.tv slash Kirsten said what. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kirsten. As far as stuff I'm doing right now, first of all, you can find me on Twitter at Puyaism. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya. Um, 
90 Day Fiance is still going to be going on next week. However, Mass Singer, we're at the end of that podcast. The finale is this week. Liana and I will be back for one last time before the season's done to talk about who won, did who wins the draft, and all the stuff in between. That'll be happening this week over on the Mass Singer feed. And uh, this past week, Chappelle and I actually got back together again for a bonus Bel Air podcast where we got to talk to the showrunners of Bel Air, talked all about season one and their feelings throughout that and what we could expect from season two. You can find that over on Post Show Recaps. And also, if you could leave a rating and review for this podcast, it would be very much appreciated. It allows people to find the show. It allows me to get some key feedback from you. You can do so over on robinswebsitecom slash 90 day fiance. So that's the number nine, number zero day fiance would appreciate that if you could. And I know that this episode, we had a lot of discussions, a lot of nuanced conversations about many different topics. So if you have any feedback or if you want to contribute to a uh, discussion or let me know what your thoughts are, you can at me at Puyism on Twitter. I would appreciate reading what some of your thoughts are on the episode. Okay. So we are now at the destination for this podcast. So we're going to get off the hot mess express, but we'll be back next week to talk more nonsense about these couples. But until then, take care. Have a good one. Bye. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.